Are you looking to optimize your mindset and lifestyle for success? In today's business world, you're in the right place. This is where you get to build your freedom through promoting through Facebook and selling on Amazon. Welcome to Actualize Freedom with your hosts, Wilson and Danny. This is Actualized Freedom, the no bullshit podcast for hacking your freedom through selling on Amazon and lifestyle optimization. My name is Danny Carlson. And my name is Wilson Lee. Today, actually, I'm going to be sharing with you about my 400K horror story that made my life a living hell for almost a year. Okay. So, I mean, a little reminder that show notes can be found at actualizedfreedom.com slash 13. And that where you can grab all the resources and everything that we've been talking about and that's that awesome so uh, we're going to be diving into a really common question from amazon sellers here just beginning um and that is should they start with an llc or an inc basically a corporation or you know do they even need a business whether they should invest in proper bookkeeping and everything like that uh, very complex to most people who have never started a business before, even to most people who have started a business. Um, and then um, Wilson has a really good story to illustrate that. So first, let's dive into two years ago. What happened two years ago when the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, this is like the IRS of Canada, contacted you, Wilson. What happened there? It, it was really crazy because, I mean, I hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, like the government coming after the money that you've made and so on and so forth, right? So for me to get the letter from, from the IRS, every time I get a letter that says Canada Revenue Agency, I, my, my, I skip a beat, a beat because I'm always worried, right? I've been running business for the last 10 years in brick and mortar and different fields. And it never really occurred to me that they would contact me. Um, and while I was reading the letter, I still remember I was having lunch in the office and as I was skimming through what it was saying, it says, uh, thank you, Wilson, for your cooperation. Uh, we are actually, we have reevaluated your annual income. And right now we have readjusted your annual income to be more than $400,000 in addition to what you have reported. Okay. And what the thing, right? And I'm like, what the? Oh my goodness. Like, what is going on? What does it mean? Like I quickly call my accountant and I'm like, yo, what does this mean? Like, like, like what, what does it mean? He was telling me that in short, you basically owe them $120,000 in taxes plus compound interest for two years. Oh my God. That is not a small amount of money to just a bill to come out of nowhere. Not at all. Right. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If I've made more than $400,000 more than what I've reported, I would have bought a house. I would have bought a vacation for, for my family to the, to the Maui. Or like I, I could have just retired for a year. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why am I still hustling so hard if I had, if, if I had more than $400,000 in that year? It just doesn't make sense at all. And I, don't, I actually have no clue how they came up with the number and why they're accusing me of this number and so on and so forth. Like, it was just crazy. Okay, so just to get some context here, this is, you were not doing your own bookkeeping. You were hiring out your books. Um, and so maybe there might've been some, some doubt. Maybe your bookkeeper had been messing something up at the point where you're thinking, hey, maybe my bookkeeper's like actually doing something illegal or like is incompetent or something. Did that go through your mind? 
Well, to be quite honest with you, it I can't say that the blame was on my bookkeeper. Um, I mean, it most likely is because of my poor bookkeeping structure that I had in place and also like not starting my LLC and my ink right from the beginning. Um, we are making quite a bit of revenue. Like it's a seven figure revenue that we make every year. Um, and I kind of muddle it between my personal expense and my, and my business expense in the first year because I was trying to save some money. Um, and that really burned me because of the fact that, oh, my bookkeeping and everything is just kind of mumbled together with my, you know, my car, my, my mortgage, my personal expenses, um, my personal development stuff. And like the numbers were just not as clear as it should be. And yes, I, that definitely warrants CRA, CRA to be on my ass to tell me that, hey, you know what, Wilson, get your shit together. But it definitely does not warrant the 400K. Um, <clears throat> how did they come up with the 400K? So I, uh, I quickly called them and I'm like, hey, you know what, why is it that you think that my revenue was more than 400K than I, than I um, reported? And they were telling me that, oh, I was at your, your, your event and I was having clickers count in how many people were coming through your events, how many people were playing your games, how many did you give out? And I'm like, how long were you there for? He's like, I was there for three days for one hour each day. So I'm like, well, no kidding. The numbers don't make sense because, you know, we run an event for a whole five months and the traffic for each week is completely different. There are raining days. There are sunny days. There are, um, there are like random days that people don't show up. There are a lot of variables and factors that determine the sales. So you cannot base um, your, your, my income based upon three hours of your calculation and just times that by how many hours and how many days we operate and discount it and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it took me two years of, of fighting back and forth with them. And it's like literally a battle uh, to find proof because in their eyes, I'm guilty, otherwise proven. And, you know, it's such a bad idea to just mix business with personal. That's insane. So they, they literally base this entire thing off of um, someone from the CRA showing up and just for three days sitting there and trying to calculate how much money your business is making. Um, and they base this entire two year battle off of just one three day window. That that's exactly what it is. And I mean, like it's my job to prove to them that <clears throat> they're wrong and that my sales were not like this, that my expenses were, 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 were credible and that my payroll was this and so on and so forth. And because at that time, I was paying some of my payroll through cash because, you know, I didn't know any better. I didn't have a bookkeeper. I was just like, you know what? I want to cheap out. I want to do everything my way or the way that internet teaches me. And <laughs> it was definitely a hellhole because it not only like taking the time out to figure out all your expenses and figuring out all your paperwork and backtracking, you know what, four or five years ago, it's, it's, it's hell. You know, like if I'm telling you to even figure out your own personal expenses, and ask you, hey, you know what, why did you have $5,000 um, deposited in your bank just from like two years ago? You're going to be like, oh my God, I totally forgot, right? And if you can't prove where the $5,000 came from, it becomes your revenue. Totally. That, yeah, that's a, a very scary reminder for all of us here because that's, that's one of the biggest questions that Wilson and I get all the time from new sellers. Um, how should I set up my business? Should I set up, should I set up in this way? Can I do it off my own personal, personal account? 
Um, do I actually really need like QuickBooks or some kind of accounting software and do it myself? Um, very complex, but Wilson's story just sheds really good light on why you should actually be doing it properly in the first place. So maybe Wilson, you could share with the audience a little bit about um, how you did have a setup. Was it all on your own personal, your personal bank accounts, your personal credit cards, or did you have uh, a sole proprietorship style of business set up instead of a corporation? What was the, the situation? So when I first set up this business, it was all under my personal name and personal account because I wanted the points, right? Because I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to, I want to occur as much points as possible. And over the years, you know, like I've, I've occurred more than 2 million, 2 million points. Okay. So you can really imagine like how much card points for travel and stuff. Exactly. So right now I've been traveling for free, like for years now because of all these points. So because of that mentality, and I think a lot of people which are in the e-com field, they have the same mentality because, you know, running ads, you're going to be able to make your, your travel like paid off for by running ads because like, you know, you, you run 30K in ads, that's already like around trip ticket with, with hotels and everything paid for. Okay. And that was my mentality. And <clears throat> so I, I ran everything through my credit card and I thought that I could keep good tabs on, hey, you know what, this is personal and this is business. Yet, I, it is very, very difficult for you to keep track of if you don't do it right away, if you don't do it on a month and month basis. And if you don't have a proper structure in place, it's very, very, very difficult. And your bookkeeper would hate you for doing that because they like their numbers clean. They like to reconcile. They don't like having two or three different books on the same account because it just confuses everything. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, that's, um, <laughs> That's definitely a scary situation there. Um, so what, out of this situation, obviously it was, it was a very difficult lesson for you to learn. You learned it the hard way. Um, what were some of the takeaways that you got out of this crazy experience that you went through? Yeah, so like before I dive into the, into the takeaway, there's actually something that I, I want to add in there because, you know, diving through expenses and trying to figure out where you put your money is, and, and where the money comes from and so on and so forth, like from two, three years ago, that's one thing, okay? That's hell itself. But it's another thing to always have this in the back of your mind that the uncertainties and the unknown that what, what, what's going to happen? Like what's going to happen to me? Um, like after I find these expenses, am, am I going to be in the hole for 120K? Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? I mean, it's the mentality and the fear of the unknown that really handicaps you, that really keeps you up at night, that really, that's the feeling that makes you feel so terrible. And, and, and that for me, quite frankly, is what really handicapped me from trying to grow um, for the past year since they have contacted me. Um, and it's, it's very, very difficult because of this haunting uncertainty that's always hanging there, that's occupying a bunch of bandwidth in my mind um until at this point i'm just numb to it i'm just like you know what like two years later i'm like okay it's good but at that time during that year it was complete hell for me because of that underlying haunting fear of unknown oh yeah i mean i've gotten myself in some scary situations where i didn't know it was going to happen uh financially and otherwise but i mean that's a huge $120,000 bill you might be liable for. There's also the worry of like tax fraud can get you thrown in jail. You know, if they find some way to potentially do that, that must've been something 
that was scary to think about as well. <laughs> like, hey, I hate totally. to like stab the dagger in you right now here, but um. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, like, tell me about it, right? Like, yeah. there's one point in time because, like, oh, there's one point in time I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I should actually move away and just forget about this thing. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah, move was... to Chiang Mai and just start a new life there, <laughs> new friends, new, new everything. <laughs> and at that point, I was not exaggerating. Like, I'm not even exaggerating at all. That's exactly what was going through my mind. Like, just moving to another city, you know, wipe it clean and start fresh. Like, I'm not kidding you. It is that bad. Yeah, uh, and that just brings up such a good point here. So to answer this question that everyone keeps talking about, should I start a corporation set up my business right from the beginning. Um, but let's make a little risk calculation here. So in Canada, it costs $350 to register your corporation. You can do it online in like five or 10 minutes if you're only one shareholder. Um, and then it costs, I think $40 for a name request to get the name for your company approved. So what is that? That's $400, 400 Canadian dollars, which is like 300 American dollars. And that's, that's it. Then you pay $10 a month or whatever for your basic QuickBooks. And on the flip side here, you have that $120,000 weight holding over your head and a two-year battle with the government thinking you might go to jail. Uh, to me, I'd pay $400 to, to just get rid of that whole mess and not even have to worry about that. Just $400. It might seem like a lot when you're trying to start a business and be really tight with your money and smart about it. But I mean, you know, after a conversation here, you can really see the smart thing is to just do it right from the beginning and just bite the bullet on that $400. A hundred percent. And you were, you were just speaking about the biggest lessons learned. And if I want to, if I would be wanting and inspired to grow and operate at a level of a seven, eight figure entrepreneur, then I need to start paying attention to, to my books and set up everything right straight from the get go. You know, um, number one thing that we all need to understand is that, bookkeepers and accountants they suck i'm not even kidding you <laughs> no offense to them hey you know what there are the good ones out there the majority of them they suck i'm sorry <laughs> if any of you guys are bookkeepers or accountants you you guys are cool because you're getting into amazon but the other yes, ones totally like i'm not even kidding because quite frankly they don't care they're just robots right they they are trained to do a, and they're trained with a very specific skill set which is to make sure that your books balance that doesn't mean that they always have your best interest um, in, in their mind, right? Um, they don't understand and they don't need to understand how your business operates. They just need to make sure that your books would, would, would balance, right? Because each, different, each business is very, very different. For them, they're just like, okay, you know what? My job is to make sure that it's balanced. I make sure that everyone's paid. I make sure that everyone, um, that the government's paid, the taxes is done, GST, um, HST, whatever the case may be. Uh, and that's their job, right? They're not advisors. They're not going to tell you that, hey, Wilson, you should um, lower your cost of goods sold. Um, hey, you know what? If you um, increase your labor by another person, uh, another headcount, you're going to be able to uh, increase the revenue that they bring in. And in turn, you're going to be able to be made, make more profits. They're not trained to do that. At least majority of them, they're not. And so uh, a note is for you to make sure that you go take a course yourself. And I'm not telling you to freaking do all the numbers yourself. I'm telling you to actually understand the language, understand the principle of how it works, right? So then that way you can know your numbers, understand why having 50% cost of goods sold is no good, right? Understand what are the main factors that would 
contribute to your profits and understand the levers that it, that you can you can have and that you can maneuver to make you your um your business thrive you know oh yeah i think that's such a good point wilson because like you said um these people the accountants and bookkeepers generally are not very skilled in business and it's up to you to understand their language just enough so that um you can you can actually make good decisions about your business because they're going to allow you to go ahead and still make all these mistakes like you're one of their clients as long as everything is good in their old bookkeeper's eyes, like, okay, all the books balance, you know, this would technically pass a CRA examination or an IRS examination. Um, that doesn't mean that they're, they're going to tell you if you're making some big business mistake or some, some other kind of mistake. So learning the bookkeeping and the accounting language enough so that you can understand what they're saying and then point out any kind of mistakes or any kind of any kind of changes that you, you want to do to how they're doing things, I think is super, super important. Um, 100%. And, and what are some of the, some of the benefits of, of having systems like this set up um, when you actually do have your books all in good order? No, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. I can't even go into like how good it is. Like, just so you know, I'm not like a math, math freak. Like, I don't like numbers. Honestly, I don't. Just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I love numbers. And that's not the reason why I preach it. Okay. <laughs> I'm half Asian, so I half love numbers. No, not at all. Man. Like, like, the reason why I love business is because I love to have an idea and execute on the idea. And that's what keeps me up at night like I'm, I'm so like oh my god what, what can i do with this and the excitement of, of doing different things and seeing the action seeing how everything takes place and being in the trenches makes me so excited and that's what makes me love business okay it's not the dry numbers that oh my god i'm looking at the spreadsheet looking at my financial statements okay this number and this number what does it mean like oh okay cool now that i have 20 percent cost of goods sold then what like that doesn't keep me interested in running my business at all, okay? The reason why you need to understand your numbers is because it allows you to make better business decisions, okay? It allows you to know which levers to pull in order for you to be able to profit more, in order for you to be able to, let's say, for example, if you want to buy a mortgage or buy a house, you need a mortgage. And if you don't know, how do you play with the numbers? So then that way you get... Uh, you get paid out more, so then you have better credit, so then now you can afford a mortgage, then it defeats the purpose of running a business, right? And if you don't know how to um, uh, lower your, your advertisement costs and lower your, um, lower your expenses and lower your, um, your cost of goods sold, your shipping, and, and, and defer some of these numbers, then you're not in a position to sell because selling is basic, uh, selling a business and how you evaluate a business in short, okay, I might be wrong. Um, there might be a, there's a lot of ways to value a business, but in short, it's basically your profit times a multiple. Okay. At the end of the day, it's nothing to do with your revenue. Okay. You may be making $10 million. Doesn't mean your business is worth $10 million. If you're making $10 million, what is your profit? If you're making only a hundred K a year, that doesn't mean you have a sick ass business. Okay. Um, so anyways, at the end of the day, if you're making a hundred grand, times that number by a multiple of two, three, four, doesn't really matter. It depends on a lot of variables. So times that, that's basically the valuation of your company. So worth um, like a $10 million company in terms of revenue, making 100K a year, um, you times that by three, that means your business is probably worth 300K. Right? Totally. And not to mention that no one is going to buy a business that has terrible books that are all over the place that can't actually uh, very accurately uh, depict this kind of information. Um, 
no one's going to buy a super messy business. They're going to be interested at first and then they're going to look into it more. They're going to be like, this is a ticking time bomb. This profit is maybe not actually the real profit. Maybe they're going to, this business is going to be audited really soon and it's a total mess or I'm going to have to pay someone $6,000 to go back through all the books and only to find out that this business owes the government $250,000 or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, the, you're not going to be able to sell your business unless your books and accounting is super, super clean. Totally. And I mean, the reason why people would want to buy a business is because of the fact that they feel that this business is undervalued at this point. Okay. They see all the numbers from your books. They understand what levers to adjust in order for them to be able to make even more. So for example, a $10 million revenue business makes a hundred K someone offers them 200K and buy the business. The person that was originally operating it might be really shitty at controlling all the numbers. Therefore, his profit is really low. Someone offers him a multiple of two. He accepts the deal. So someone just paid 200K. Now the new owner comes in. He knows for a fact that if he cuts down on labor costs by 10%, increases um, his marketing costs by 10%, he's going to be able to make $20 million dollars right? Bring in more, more cash. And from there onwards, he can lower, uh, continue to adjust some of the levers in order for him to be able to gain much more in profit. So in turn, he's going to be able to make profits of what? 20% off the revenue, which after a year would be 400K. So within a year, he's already been, the new owners are able to tweak the levers and to make more money in the business that people have built. Right. So in, in a gist, that's exactly what it is. And if you have your books right, you're going to be able to be in a position where you can sell your business so then you can have an exit. And this has precisely allowed me to sell two of my businesses, which I can go over in details. If you guys leave a comment below, uh, leave, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Let us, meet, let us know if this is something you want us to go into because I'm not sure if this is something that you guys have any interest in. Yeah, I know from, uh, you know, personally, I think I'd love to hear Wilson talk about his two businesses that he sold, um, 10 years business experience and two years selling businesses, especially with how hot selling Amazon FBA businesses is right now. Um, I have a number of friends who currently have their FBA businesses up for sale and they've, they've been operating it for less than a year um, and are able to get quite a good multiple on that right now just because they're super hot. Um, so let's just go back to your story about the, the appeal, like the, the whole $120,000 tax thing here, what's, what's currently going on with that case? Well, um, we are still fighting back and forth, to be honest with you. Like one thing that you guys need to understand is that CRA, IRS, they don't care about you. Um, it's your job to prove them that they suck and it's your job to prove them that they're wrong. And that's the reason why for me, like initially I was operating from a place of fear. And after being in it for a whole year, I'm like, you know what? I need to sign up for myself. There's nothing to be scared about. Like, I mean, if it goes through, it goes through. If it doesn't go through, I, it's my, it's my duty to make sure that I fight it off. And since then, um, I fought off more than half the reassessed amount. So right now we're, we're still fighting. We're still going at it. I'm still appealing. There's still so much proof. I've been finding industry experts to show them that, Hey, my cost of goods sold would not allow me to make this much revenue. For example, um, if, if I had been making, let's say a hundred K in sales in and selling bubble tea per se, I've only been 
expensing $5,000 of cost of goods sold. And an industry expert would allow you to, to, to tell you that $5,000 in cost of goods sold and ingredients would not allow you to create a hundred grand worth of products. It just doesn't make sense. Does that make any, does, does that make sense to you, Danny? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a great way to get flagged by the CRA when you're, you're making claims like that on your tax return. Um, totally. It just totally doesn't make sense. Yeah. It totally doesn't make sense. And that's the reason why I'm going back to the CRA. I'm like, hey, you know what? Look at my cost of goods sold. Look at my labor and look at the hours of operation. There's no way we can attain this level of success that you claim that we have. And so, right, again, the second takeaway is that, you know what? The, the government don't really care about you. They're being paid um, in order for them to actually get a fine. So it actually subsidizes the amount of time they've spent on your case. So at the end of the day, they're going to have to have something, give them something. But if it's outrageous, then stand your ground and start fighting. Oh yeah. I think that's absolutely, absolutely super, super important. Um, so we've, we've touched upon this a little bit about why setting up an LLC or a corporation is definitely a good idea. So maybe let's talk about some of the benefits. Why is it actually um, what are some of the main benefits of having a corporation as opposed to just doing it on your own personal bank accounts or in a sole proprietorship style business? Dude, aside from the fact that proper bookkeeping is a must and the LLC allow and incorporating allows you to do that, you don't want your personal assets on the line. You don't want all your stuff that you've been working for years to be on the line when you're sued. I've personally been sued twice, okay? I've been sued twice of stupid reasons. And I mean, I don't even want to get into that because that's a completely different story. I don't want to sidetrack too much. I've been sued twice for stupid reasons and everything of mine was on the line. And I've personally sued someone three times, okay? Not for stupid reasons. It's because one of them is because... Um, one of my employee actually stole all my manuals and stole my business idea and my supplier and manufacturer and started her own shop just a few blocks. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Wow. Um, wow. Freaking amazing. That's bold too. And like she was signing um, non-compete agreements and stuff when she was your employee, I would imagine. Everything, everything. Yeah. So that's the reason why I, I had so much ground to sue her and, and actually I won and, and actually I got like five figure, um, compensation from that which was a pretty good good sum and but then i mean at the end of the day definitely set up your llc and your ink you don't want your personal assets to be on the line <laughs> yeah no kidding eh? um man, just really quickly i'm sure the audience is is curious about um any more details you want to share about these these lawsuits here just like you know how much how much <laughs> money was up for up for grabs or what they're trying to do was it stupid how did you defend yourself or what any kind of uh, interesting tidbits about that okay so one of the reasons why i was sued is because i was selling knockoff stuff um at this local market right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what I have, I have no shame in it and um it was some knockoff stuff yeah so usually what happens is that um big companies they hire a lawyer an overseas lawyer and they would have they would pull in their resources from different brands okay so majority of the time it's not worthwhile for a brand to hire a lawyer from overseas does a bunch of investigation come after you 
and make you pay them. Uh, majority of time, it does not go through. So what they do is they hire a lawyer. They they talk to all the different industry. Uh, they talk to the people within their own industries. So then they're able to split the cost of that lawyer and that execution team. And what the lawyer does and that team does is they go to different events or different kind of businesses. They they scout out, hey, you know what, where is it that these people are uh, having copyright issues? And they go and, and submit a cease and desist order, right? They would also have to hire uh, cops that goes along with them so then they can confiscate the items and, and everything. And honestly, just because they sue you or just because they hand you a letter of a cease and desist doesn't mean that they're going to win. It's going to take them hundreds of thousands of dollars just to bring you to, to court, right? So when you have these letters to cease and desist, mo- uh, the only thing you need to do is make sure that you don't do it again. That's the only thing you need to do. Just don't do it again. And they would not come after you. It's not worth the time. It's not their worth the money. They need to prove the damages that you have caused them. They need to prove how much money that you have made off them. They need to prove everything. And majority of the time, you're just a small potato that doesn't, it's not worth their time. They just want to scare you. And that's the reason why they're giving you, and they're suing you, they're, they're giving you cease and desist. Um, another time was when Angry Birds sued me because I have right when Angry Birds came out, I thought it was a huge uh, opportunity. It was a great idea. So I contacted the China, uh, the manufacturers in China. I created all these um, plush dolls of Angry Birds and they didn't even have it at that time. So it was selling like hotcakes and I created game uh, out of the Angry Birds theme. And this was like right when it's of the, its peak of Angry Birds. So you were first to market with some Angry Birds plush toys. Like even there were no official licensed Angry Birds plush toys out there. You're just, you got them created. Exactly. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And at the same time, I also got Cut the Ropes. Have you heard of Cut the Ropes? Oh yeah, I Before? know that game. I, I used to play that. Yeah, 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 I created that one too. And uh, you know what? It was, it was good. Like, I mean, we were the only ones that were selling it because even the game themselves, they're so focused on the game that they don't have the time to deviate to create plush dolls. And at that time, I was in the industry, so I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. So I got a cease and desist letter from them as well. And I'm like, you know what? It's not worthwhile. I had the first mover and I just stopped from there onwards. Yeah, and if you guys live around the Vancouver area and you're looking for a whole bunch of this knockoff stuff, Richmond Night Market is amazing. Just go walk around there. You can buy any kind of knockoff, whatever whatever brand of Pokemon or Under Armour or whatever the heck you're looking for. It's all there. And Just so you know, I don't sell them anymore, right? Time. So it's not me. Like, don't send me yeah. letters. Don't come sue. Come after me and sue me, please. <laughs> Wilson's learned his lesson. He doesn't I want to be sued and not the fourth time. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, operating a business is much more at, at this time in, in my career. It's much more about longevity. It's more, much more about creating a brand and something that would last. It's not about making that, oh, uh, that extra like 20 bucks, 30 bucks or whatever the case may be. It's not about that anymore. Well, I I hope, I hope you guys are aiming higher than an extra 20 or 30 bucks though. I just got to say that, (laughs) but I I totally agree with you. The short term mentality, um, a lot of times gets us into these, these kind of troubles, right? We're doing something just like, Oh, I want to make an extra 500 bucks this month. I want to make an extra thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, and it just takes you away from, something that could actually build you a business long term. Like, you know, you get caught up selling these knockoffs and sure, great money in the short term, but then you, you get a cease and desist and then that whole line of business goes away. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. Um, so, 
So Wilson, that you shared a lot of really personal <laughs> stuff with us um, this time around. Um, I know the audience really appreciates it. What are your action steps for the audience based off of the story that you shared today? You know what? Go out, set up your, if you haven't already done so, set up your, 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 your whole business structure like right from the get-go. Um, don't cheap out, right? I mean, all the advantages, like it's so much advantage of setting it up, right? Uh, find yourself a good bookkeeper. Uh, understand, if you don't understand like um, numbers or understand balance statements or financial statements or profit and loss statements, go, go take a course. I myself have taken two courses on this. I, I didn't major in business, um, but I know the importance of, of, of numbers. And that's the reason why I, I just took two courses. And I know how to read it, but I'm not good at it. At least I understand, right? So go learn how to, how to read your financial statements, set up your uh, LLC, your Inc. Um, so then you're protected. And yeah, these are, these are my, my, my action steps. The only reason why it came up like, with this story, I didn't come up with the story, but I decided to share this story is because like you said, we've been asked so many times from people about, Hey, should I, should I hire a bookkeeper? Hey, you know what? Should I set up an LLC? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know what? This is an episode created just to share with you my personal experience. So then it hopefully would tell you about the importance of doing this. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I already totally agreed with you on all these points, but after hearing this story, I'm uh, even more <laughs> leaning towards making my book super, super tight because I've been through some stuff, but I, haven't, I definitely am not looking for a $120,000 bill from CRA to showing up on my, on my desk one day. So thanks for sharing that, Wilson. That was freaking awesome. Uh, a little reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found at actualizefreedom.com slash 13. Um, any resources that we mentioned, links and, and notes you can find there so you don't have to take notes of this podcast. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, go over to iTunes or Stitcher, uh, leave us a review over there, subscribe. We've got some really cool interviews with guests coming up real soon. Um, later today, actually, I'm going to be interviewing Adi Gulia, who um, is a multi-million dollar Amazon seller. He's got a bunch of employees here locally in Vancouver. Um, going to be really interesting to see how he actually managed to build a company so big in only a couple of years. So thanks for joining us guys. And we'll see you right back here on the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Kenji ROI, obsessively optimized copywriting, product photography, videos, and PPC for a highly cohesive feel and high conversion rate. Avoid expensive miscommunication with freelancers who don't understand Amazon. Kenji ROI's team has produced over 600 Amazon listings responsible for multi-millions in annual sales for their clients. Clients know they're covered with Kenji's guarantees. After work has been delivered, their experts help you resolve any potential issues or concerns to an extreme level. If you're still not happy, you'll get a full refund. What kind of crazy guy makes a guarantee like that? Listeners of the Actualized Freedom podcast get a 10% discount for life on all Kenji ROI listing creation services, but only for the first 50 claims. Type in go.kenjiroi.com slash AF. Pause this podcast right now and claim your code. Like I said, once 50 are claimed, they're gone forever. So go now to go.kenjiroi.com slash AF. That's go.kenjiroi.com slash AF to get your code now. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Actualize Freedom with Wilson and Danny online at actualizefreedom.com. If you like today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.